We're in the book of Ruth. Turn there, if you would, please. The book of Ruth. You know the story, I think, of, the, of Ruth. What a, a wonderful story it is. Uh, let's just start at verse 1 and kind of work ourselves through the famous part of the, the, well, one of the famous parts of it. And uh, then we'll have a word of prayer. Now, it came to pass... In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, I'll get there, uh, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, uh, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Judah, or I'm sorry, of Moab, and continued there. And Elimelech, Noah's, Noah's, I'll get there, Naomi's husband, you got me uh, thinking about Moses and Noah and everybody else. Uh, Naomi's husband died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the women, uh, the, and, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she, and, uh, that she might return uh, from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went to the, to the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, now this is the famous part that you're going to remember here, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Will ye go? Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that, ye may, that may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them for, uh, from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following thee. And this, of course, is the famous passage. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us now as we uh, look at this life of Ruth, that you would help us to uh, glean some truth from it, to understand uh, how you work in this one life and then impact uh, generations beyond. And so you, and, uh, you might uh, also work in our lives to uh, cause us to, like Ruth, be faithful and trust you and allow you to do a work. And Father, teach us tonight from this, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to find here, and we already have a hint of it, is Ruth's willingness to be faithful. 
She is faithful to Naomi, first of all, and uh, a willingness to follow Naomi. Uh, why do you think that is? Why, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but why is it that she, she wants to uh, be with Naomi? Don't make this hard. She loves her, right? She loves her. Uh, she has a desire to stay with her mother-in-law. Maybe it's a desire to help take care of her mother-in-law. Uh, we don't know exactly. She just, you know, she's, she's looking at her life and she is saying, you know, I have really nothing to go back to. And then we see this wonderful proclamation that not only is she embracing the life of Naomi, but she's embracing all that Naomi encompasses, including Naomi's God. And your God will be my God is that how that ends there. And so she has this willingness to follow after uh, Naomi. When we think about faithfulness and the importance of faithfulness, you know, the Bible says, uh, moreover, it is required in a steward, what? That a man be found faithful. We must learn to be faithful people, that we are going to trust God and we're going to follow after God, uh, regardless of whether or not circumstances are going our way. We're going to be faithful. We're going to stay by the stuff, so to speak. And here's Naomi. She's willing to follow after Naomi. Uh, Jesus says, um, let me see if I can remember exactly how Jesus says it. Um, something about if you will follow me, you must do what? Take up your cross and follow me, right? I mean, the idea of being faithful has some cost to it. Uh, we don't just, you know, be faithful and there's no cost. And I, I'm sorry I'm butchering that up. But, you know, Jesus said, you know, if you're going to follow me, then there is some cost involved. You're going to have to take up a cross and be willing to follow me. It, that's what faithfulness involves. It, in order for me to stay faithful over here to this person, whether it's Christ or whether it's Naomi or whether it's even in marriage, whatever it might happen to be, that means that there's something I have to surrender in order to stay in this relationship with faithfulness. So I take up my cross and I follow. Ruth is willing to do that. And so she's willing to follow Naomi. In fact, uh, she says, please, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you live, I'm going to live. Your people, my people, your God, my God. I, I'm, I'm in this wholeheartedly. I'm not halfway. I'm ready to go. And she declares this willingness to follow. And God is going to take this young lady named Ruth and do some amazing things. In fact, uh, if you think this through, what kind of person was Ruth? What nationality was Ruth? She was a Moabite, right? She was from Moab. What do you know about the nation of Moab in, in relationship to God in the Old Testament? They were enemies. This is not a good thing, right? This is not a good thing. And look at the grace of God here because Ruth comes into the new country where she has now new people and a new God and God matches her up to who? Say it again. Boaz. And Boaz and Ruth then become grandparents to who? David or great grandparents. To David, right? To David. And when you get to the New Testament, where does that put Ruth in the lineage of Christ? Ruth is a Moabite. She is the enemy of Israel for all intents and purposes until Ruth makes a choice to embrace not only Naomi, but Naomi's people, Naomi's God. 
and she stays faithful to what God has called her to. So uh, she follows faithfully uh, after Naomi. Uh, she follows faithfully after Naomi's God. She listens to Naomi's counsel. Listen to, to uh, Naomi's counsel later on. She, uh, Naomi says to her, uh, and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, the, mighty, the family of Emelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight shall I shall find grace. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. And then later on she says to her, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and gather all that, that uh, you gather in the field and then go and lay down at his feet and do whatever he tells you to do. And Ruth follows the counsel of Naomi. She is listening to her. She's willing to trust God to work in her life through Naomi. And this is just an amazing thing, the faithfulness that we see that Ruth has. If we're going to develop this kind of character and let God... By the way, can I just point this out? Ruth had no clue when she died who she was in the line of Christ. Do you understand that? It wasn't like Ruth, you know, God said to Ruth, Ruth, here's what's going to happen. You know, you're going to get married to this guy, and I'm going to bring the uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords through your lineage. No. She lived her life with only the expectation that God would perhaps bless her for her faithfulness. But she had no clue, really, what great thing that God was going to do. And this is the problem. I think sometimes you and I, we, we want to see the future too much. We want to know what's going to happen to see if it's worth our faithfulness. But that's not how faithfulness works. We are faithful. God uses it. And so Ruth didn't, wasn't being faithful to gain a promise. She wasn't being faithful. She, was just, she just chose to be faithful. And she follows after Naomi and all of these things that Naomi has for her. In chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2, we're still in Ruth. It says, and Naomi had a kinswoman. Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I read that verse, I'm sorry. Uh, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down to the floor and did according to all, so she followed that counsel. Next, I want you to see there's something else about Ruth. This is the great character of Ruth. She's faithful. But what Ruth also does is works, and works hard. Do you remember what Ruth does? She goes along and she's gleaning. What does it mean to glean? She's picking up whatever's been left behind. So the farmers come through and they pick through the field. And uh, because this farmer's paying you know, these people to go through and just pick his field, uh, there's things that are falling behind. In fact, by law, the Israelites had to leave the gleaning for the poor. Right? That's what they were supposed to do. Leave it for the poor and for the strangers who might come through the land. So that was by, by, by Mosaic law. They had to leave the gleaning. And so she's coming through and she's literally picking through the leftovers to find something for her and Naomi to eat. And she gleans. But look what it says. She gleans and she continues all day long. She works diligently. And she gets as much as she can. In fact, as she's gathering, um, you know, Boaz catches wind of what's going on somewhat. And he literally says, hey, leave a little extra behind so that Ruth can have plenty to gather. And so she's a hard worker. If we're going to be like Ruth, 
we're not going to be able to be lazy. We are not going to be able to, to excuse our laziness. I, I was uh, Googling online and uh, finding some excuses. Listen to some good excuses. I'm going to give you some good. You ready to write these down? These are good excuses if someone catches you napping at work. I like this. Whoa, you wake up, right? The blood bank said this might happen. Now, those of you who have no idea what that means, if you've ever been to the, okay, if you've ever given blood, or how about this one? The coffee machine is broken. That's a good one. I can, I can, but this is my favorite. This is my favorite. If somebody catches you sleeping, and you, once you realize that you've been caught sleeping, you do this. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Nobody's going to say anything to you then, right? But you know, the truth is, Ruth was not coming up with excuses. She did not uh, come up with this list of ways to get out of work. What Ruth was is an example of someone who's willing to be faithful when there's a cost. By the way, when was the last time Ruth had visited Israel or Judah? She'd never been there. Do you understand? I mean, Ruth is it's like, what, wherever you're going, that's where I'm going. And wherever you stay, that's where I'm staying. And whoever your people are, they're going to become my people. And your God will become my God. And she's walking into this blind. She really is just putting her faith in Naomi and Naomi's God. And so then with that, she then begins to work diligently. And she, uh, so she goes to the harvest. She stays in the harvest. She works diligently. And God is going to bless this person named Ruth. Do you think that we could uh, benefit by a few Ruths in our society today? If we could raise up a generation of young people who would learn how to be faithful in spite of the cost, in spite of, you know, not really knowing, there's no, there's no promise. In fact, Ruth literally says to her, I have nothing to offer you, right? Ruth says, I can't, it's not like I can give you a husband, and Ruth literally tries to talk her out of it. And this willingness to be faithful because it's good to be faithful, because it's right to be faithful. And then this willingness to work because two things. One, the person you're trusting tells you to work. And because work is a good thing. And so here's Ruth. She's out there. She's, she's working diligently, and she's simply willing to trust this person uh, that God has placed into her life. And so uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. In fact, it, uh, it reminds you of a Bible story, you know, about the ant. Consider the ant thou sluggard, right? That Bible story has been, has been uh, put into virtually every language. Almost every society has some kind of story like this. Listen to this one. It says, the ant works hard. In the withering heat, all summer long, building his house and laying up supplies for the, for the writer. The grasshopper thinks he's a fool and laughs and dances and plays the summers away. Come winter, the ant is warm and well-fed, but the grasshopper has no food, so he dies. End of story. Now, there's a new story for our generation. Are you ready for this one? This is the modern version. The ant works hard, willing to... Uh, willing to work in the withering heat all summer long, building his house and laying up supplies for the winter. The grasshopper thinks he's a fool and laughs and dances and plays all summer, all his, his summer away. 
Come winter, the shivering grasshopper calls a press conference and demands to know why the ant should be allowed to be warm and fed while the rest of us are cold and shivering. CBS, NBC, and ABC show up to provide pictures of the shivering grasshopper next to the video of the ant in his comfortable home with his table filled with food. America is stunned by the sharp contrast. How can it be that the country of such wealth would have this poor grasshopper, would allow this poor grasshopper to suffer so? Then a representative of the, I like this, NAGB, that's the National Association of Green Bugs, shows up, shows up on Nightline and charges the ant with green bias and makes the case that the grasshopper is the victim of 30 million years of greenism. You get the idea. <laughs> it ends with Bill Clinton and President Reagan, and it's, oh, it's, you have to Google it. That's all I can tell you. Go online, you can find it yourself. That's the kind of nation we're living in. We're excusing so much of our lazy behavior, and we're missing out on something. We're, we're never going to be Ruth's unless we can learn to be faithful and unless we can learn how to work. And be willing to trust God with an outcome that we don't fully understand. And this is what the amazing thing about all this is. In the end, how there is this great blessing. Listen to Proverbs chapter 28. It says, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. God has called upon you and I to work. For the night is coming when no man can work. To occupy until he comes. God has called upon you and I to be faithful to him. And God's great desire, I believe, here's what I, what I know about the scripture or about, the, about my God. The Bible says that he, we have a heavenly father, we have a father who knows how to give good gifts unto his children. When we ask for bread, he doesn't give us a stone. When we ask for fish, he doesn't give us a serpent. God desires to bless us. Now, we don't purchase God's favor. But much of God's blessing is tied to his promises. And his promises are often, in fact, mostly conditional. Right? If you, then I, God says. If you do this, I do this. If you do this, I do this. And God says, if you are faithful, the faithful man will abound with blessings. That's what the Bible says. The faithful man will abound with blessings. God knows how to give good gifts unto his children. I believe what we have is a God who is looking for reasons to bless us. If you can imagine in heaven, here's this God with piles of stuff around him just waiting. His desire is. It's like Christmas time. All of us who have kids, you know what it's like at Christmas time. You love giving gifts. I mean, moms and dads enjoy Christmas more than kids, whether you realize that or not. Uh, I remember our, one of our first Christmases, I was trying. Uh, I wanted my kids to get out of bed. They wouldn't get up. And, uh, you know, so uh, it's, I don't know, it was about 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. It was early. I'm up. I've got Melody up, and the kids are still asleep. So I'm being noisy, I'm being noisy, and finally I decide I am going to just really wake them up. And so, I, don't, I hope this doesn't offend any of you, but I walked through the hallway and I said, ho, 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 like this. Ah! 
<laughs> Both the kids are screaming. Melody looks at me like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but there's hardly anything better for a parent than when they open the gift and it's, it's exactly what they wanted. And that's, oh, dad, that's, you know, they're so excited. That, I believe, is the God that we have in heaven. He is looking for reasons to bless his children. He knows how to give good gifts unto his children. His great desire is to bless us. But his expectation is that we be worthy of his blessing. Now, I'm aware that grace often allows him to give us when we are unworthy. I know that. But his promises tie themselves to conditions. And if we are faithful, we have an abundance of his blessing. God's looking for ways, and what God's looking for is a Ruth that he could say, here, let me show you how my blessing looks. And he takes our small little life, and he blesses it not just for the moment that we're here on this earth, but for generations to come in ways that we can't fathom and understand. Because that's the kind of God that we have. God blesses Ruth so much that he places her in line. So then when we get to um, chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, let me show you how God gives an immediate blessing on Ruth. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean, even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And in fact, let some also fall of the handfuls of a purpose, on purpose for her, and leave them so that she may glean and not rebuke her. So as, as Ruth is out there just in the beginning of her journey, being faithful and working and laboring, God's already providing more than she would have anticipated. God's already taking care of Ruth. But the greater blessing is the thing that was not promised. As, in fact, Naomi said to her, what do you expect from me? I cannot give you a husband. There's no reason for you to come. But take a look, if you would, at chapter 4 and verse 13, and let me show you another wonderful thing about Ruth. Chapter 4 and verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, The Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. Now, it's that that Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, promise coming true. Anybody know what Ephesians 3.20 says? You do know this verse. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. It is that verse that makes our dreams more than reality, right? Here's Ruth saying, you know, I'm going to be faithful to you, Naomi, because I love you. And I have, I have no hope of anything beyond just me being a blessing to you. I'm going to be faithful. And she works diligently, and she stays faithful, and God goes beyond what Ruth was even daring to imagine 
as God provides not only a husband, but if you know anything about the culture of the time, a son, this was a big deal. Not only a husband, but a son. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's the God that we have who desires to bless us. But his expectation is that we be like a roof. Are you willing to be faithful and to trust God in circumstances that you don't understand? Are you willing to work diligently and follow after the counsel that God gives you and trust him to work through that? And are you willing then, when God opens the door and provides a potential husband, and Ruth could have at that point said, I'm out of here, but she allows God to open a door, she steps through the door, and God blesses so that when we finally find Ruth, we see her in the line of Christ generations later that's the god that wants to bless you and i so what are we willing to trust him with are you ready to be faithful i'm going to be faithful to you lord not because there's expectation of great things i'm going to be faithful in spite of the fact that you've literally said i promise you nothing i can't give you a son i can't give you a husband i promise you nothing you be faithful and let god Go exceeding abundantly above.